The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 463 for April 19th, 2015. Sprint announces at-home visits to set up your new phone, new hardware from BlackBerry, and Google makes it easier to find your lost phone. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joy Coppice. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, kicking off the news this week, Nokia and Alcatel-Lucent on Tuesday said that they are in advanced talks concerning a merger or acquisition between the two companies. The deal would create a larger competitor to Sweden's Ericsson and China's Huawei. Nokia said the deal currently is being considered and would include a full combination of the two companies. Alcatel-Lucent is valued at about $11.6 billion, while Nokia is valued at about $30 billion. The combined entities would employ more than 100,000 workers, though certain job cuts could be expected with the consolidation. Alcatel-Lucent was formed in 2006 when France's Alcatel merger with the U.S.'s Lucent, a Nokia-Alcatel-Lucent merger, would face significant hurdles attempting to gain regulatory approval, though, for antitrust issues. Sprint on Monday announcing a new service called Direct2U. This is a program that has a Sprint technician come to a customer's home when they purchase a new phone. Sprint says customers who prefer to shop from home but are uncomfortable setting up their new device on their own will be able to use Direct2U. The program lets customers make that purchase and receive customer service, the customer service of buying in-store, including setting up of the phone, transferring content from their old phone to their new one, and tutorials to ensure that they understand how to use their new device. Sprint said customers can choose to receive the direct to use service at home or of course a job site or other location whatever they're comfortable with the company is launching the service in its home market of kansas city this week and plans to expand to chicago and miami on april 20th the rest of the country will come by the end of the year now at launch 30 technicians will be working in the field but sprint is preparing about 5,000 total employees to perform the service sprint said eligible upgrade customers will receive a message from sprint and will offer the direct to use service when it's time for them to upgrade their device Customers can then choose to respond and set up a direct to you appointment. The service will be offered at no charge to customers. So this idea, I, I saw this earlier this week, and I thought, oh, this is absurd. It's silly. But then just before the show, Mickey, I had a brainstorm here, and I think, you know what? They should just get rid of all of their retail locations, save an unbelievable amount of money, and just have roving people. Just have a bunch of have a fleet of Sprint vehicles, and they just go around uh, servicing Sprint customers. There's not that many of them anymore. Oh, that was a slam. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, they could create kind of a totally new experience for people to not have to go to those frustrating stores and instead come to them. You know, based on the appointments that they serve, or come to their office or something like that. Uh, give them some major differentiation. Maybe it makes more sense and maybe it's something that's scalable. But, uh, you know, I think there's still a spot or still a, um, you know, a place for retail for them. Um, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. But uh, yet at the same time, I think there's 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 something to this here. If they can figure out how to um, how to service, let's just say it's, I don't know, 20 percent of their customers. Maybe that's even too much. Maybe 10 percent of their customers. You know, we're talking about five million people and um I know those 5 million people are buying a phone every two years. So on a day-by-day basis, you can hire enough people to go out and actually to, to, to manage this pretty, pretty easily. 
You certainly could because, you know, there is a certain uh, set of uh, customers that either can't go out because of either dis- disabilities or because they just do not have time. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. And some of this uh, may make sense for certain customers. Yeah, possibly. We'll see what uh, what happens with this one here. But interesting uh, new initiative from Sprint with direct to you. Boost Mobile this week announcing a new prepaid plan for customers in Miami who make calls to Cuba. For $50 a month, the Cuba Monthly Connect plan gives customers unlimited texts and 15 minutes of talk time to Cuba at 33 cents a minute. After that first 15 minutes of talk time, the rate goes up to the standard 99 cents per minute. Cuba Monthly Connect also includes unlimited talk and text to numbers in the U.S., along with 5 gigs of high-speed data. Additionally, users have the option of bumping their data allotment to 10 gigs for an extra $10 a month. The plan is only available in Miami. Walmart's family mobile uh, plans on Friday, uh, or excuse me, Walmart family mobile uh, this past Friday, which is operated by T-Mobile, added to their plans 500 megabytes of additional data. The extra data comes free of charge and is applied automatically to existing customers. Entry-level plans cost $30 a month and include unlimited talk, text, and data with access to LTE 4G speeds at up to one gigabyte per month. For $10 more a month, you can get access to three gigs at 4G speeds. Customers who sign up for multiple lines can save an additional five bucks a month. The uploaded or the updated data offering goes into effect on April 18th. Boy, that's not too bad for a plan like that. Thirty dollars now—that's uh, that's a very reasonable price. Absolutely, it is. And you know, the idea is here that you know you obviously have a you know a plan that's unlimited, so you can talk and text as much as you want. You can still use as much data as you want, albeit at that slower speeds here. But nonetheless, it's still a pretty decent offering here for someone who wants to save some significant money. There, Walmart's family mobile plans starting at thirty bucks a month. BlackBerry on Tuesday announced its Leap smartphone, now available in the UK with other countries following shortly. Leap is similar to the Z10, which has a 5-inch 720p HD display and an older Qualcomm Snapdragon S4 processor at 1.5 gigahertz. Other features include, uh, of course, LTE, but then an 8-megapixel main camera, 2-megapixel front camera, memory card slot, and a 2800 milliamp hour battery. The device runs BlackBerry 10.3.1 and includes Amazon's App Store for compatible Android applications. According to BlackBerry, the phone will come to Germany, France, Canada, the UAE, Saudi Arabia, India, and the U.S. within the next few weeks. The U.S. price will be approximately $275. And Huawei this week announcing the P8. This is its new global flagship phone. It features a thin unibody metal design and a dual Sony camera mode with a super night mode involved. Uh, the main camera has optical image stabilization and a dual tone LED flash. The P8 features a 5.2-inch full HD screen, octa-core processor clocked at 2 gigahertz, and 3 gigs of RAM. It also has a 2680 milliamp hour battery. The phone has a 13 megapixel main camera, 8 megapixel front camera, and supports networks uh, including uh, all 4G networks and then also Bluetooth, GPS, and Wi-Fi. The device will run Android 5.0 Lollipop. A couple of software updates for you this week. First up, Google updating Chrome for the iPhone and iPad, adding a notification center widget, support for app extensions, and poll to reload. Chrome for the iPhone and iPad uh, has that notification center widget to help you getting get started browsing faster. There's a new tab and a voice search button built into that widget, and you can launch those directly from the notification center. The browser has also added support for action extensions in iOS 8, like apps from 1Password. You can download the latest version of Chrome for free for both the iPhone and iPad. Google also rolling out a quick way to locate your misplaced Android smartphone. A Google search now when logged into your account for, quote, find my phone on a PC can help you find your lost phone 
force it to ring at full volume, or even position it on a map. The tool requires device owners sign into their Google account in the browser and must have the latest version of the Google app installed on their phone. For people with multiple Android devices, a drop-down menu lets you specify which device you'd like to find. Users who want to lock or wipe their phone will need to have an Android device manage have Android device manager activated from the handset. Find My Phone is free to use. Yeah, I'm so glad that uh, Google added this functionality a couple of years ago. It basically replicates the same thing as uh, Find My Phone. They don't have the the activation lock, uh, I think, quite yet. They were just getting that into the next version of Olipop. Uh, I suppose it's probably in the next devices right now. But uh, the ability to you know locate your lost uh, phone is just uh, an, an immensely great feature for free. You know, I, and I think about the flip side of this. So for us Apple users out there, are they going to add this into to Mac OS at some point, perhaps? I mean, that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it, to just have something either in system preferences or something, right? It already does. Where's that? It's just under Find My Mac. You can totally locate your, your Mac uh, from your Find My iPhone app. Well, I, w- w- from what app? Well, you find it, uh, you either log into iCloud if you're on the Mac, or you just use the Find My iPhone app on iOS devices. Okay, so maybe I've just missed this. I thought you had to go to the website, you had to go to findmyiphone.com in order to find it. Yeah, you could do that. Uh, I don't think there's a a dedicated app in macOS to do it. That's what I'm saying. Gotcha. (laughs) Something like... Yeah, because I suppose using the Google browser could then give you the ability to kind of find it on any map because that's the way it, ru- it just runs in a browser for the uh, for, you know, that's basically what this function is doing for the Google Android devices. OK, so make it as something as simple as uh, from Safari when you do a search for find my phone, then it, it, it automatically pushes you to whatever it is. Right. I mean, that something like that. I'm just I'm looking at iCloud here and I see find my Mac is a checkbox in iCloud, but that you still have to go onto iCloud.com in order to, and then log in and then have a device to authenticate if it's a browser that I've never used before. Like there's, there's a bunch of different steps that have to, you have to go through there. It is, but you know, it's really, ba- it'll be basically the same for Google as well. Well, it, I guess that's probably true. It, it's an interesting way to, you know, to think about it though. Cause obviously you're like, okay, what's the website, especially when you're frantic and you've lost your phone. Ah, where is my phone? You know, where, what do I need to do? And you, what I need to remember and Google find my phone makes all the sense in the world. It certainly does. And, and you know that you're right, Mickey, it is hard to uh, think clearly when you're frantic like that. And, and plus of, of course, a lot of times though, you don't have your phone to look up your phone. So then you need to uh, grab somebody else's computer or somebody else's phone. So regardless, usually you're going to have to authenticate anyway. I was helping someone about six months ago who had their purse stolen and uh, I you know, went on my phone and, and logged into her iTunes account. Fortunately, she absolutely remembered everything because that's another thing, right? People, you don't necessarily remember your iCloud password, you know, off the top of your head. She did. We were able to get into her account. Uh, for, unfortunately, the phone had been turned off already. So it was like, well, it's, uh, you're out of luck then, basically. So the last known location was where uh, we were. But uh, either way, it's, um, you know, it's still kind of a nice thing to be able to do. Go find someone else with an iPhone and, and you can take care of it. Boy, and I, I, I just, for the life of me, can't understand why we can't have the option to disable turning off the device if the device is locked. All right. I, yeah, right. Or or have it so that that particular security feature stays on in the background or something. I guess if you're turning it off, you're turning it off. That's what it is. But yeah, yeah. Why, why, I, I would love to not be able to turn off my phone without entering a password. That absolutely exactly. should happen. Yeah, yeah, that should just be, that you shouldn't be able to hit airplane mode or turn it off without having to put in your passcode. 
Anyway, moving on. Uh, obviously, for Android folks, you're in great shape here. Find my phone is the search term to use in Google to find your lost phone or device. Google rolled out updates to its productivity suite of applications this week. Google Drive for Android now allows users to share files and photos directly from the notification panel once a file has finished uploading. Google Docs, Sheets, and Slides for Android and iOS were also given new features, such as the ability to accept, reject, or comment on suggestions in Docs. Docs also makes reviewing and actioning on comments and suggestions easier for mobile devices and includes the ability to track changes across document versions. The Docs app for iOS now allows users to edit tables. The Sheets app lets people move, resize, and delete charts as well as reorder objects. Lastly, the Slides application is more compatible with PowerPoint files from Microsoft and should load quicker and scroll faster. The Google Drive, Docs, Sheets, and Slides are all now free to download from both the Google Play Store and iTunes App Store. These updates will arrive over the next few days to customers. Now, I uh, had an interesting thing here that I uh, did this weekend, and, and I know this is not overly complex, but it was just one of those like, hey, this actually is kind of a neat way that this this all has kind of come together for me now. So um, I needed to write a document, uh, a very quick document, a, a paragraph or so. Uh, my computer was off and in the other room, and I didn't feel like going and grabbing it. I had happened to have my iPad right there. Uh, and so I opened up docs, typed out what I was looking to do, uh, or look what I was writing. And then I needed to print it and sign it and have an air print printer. And it allows you to print, uh, the document directly from uh, docs as well. And so I printed it off and signed it and put it in the envelope. And I thought, Hey, you know, this is really interesting how I, I was just granted this, is, none of this is like game changing, but the whole process was, was game changing, right? The fact that I realized I needed to do something and I typically would have gone to a computer to do that. Um, and, uh, to be able to go and print something out that needed to be signed is is and I could have just as easily I suppose exported it and uh, put my digital signature in it but I was hand delivering this as a letter to somebody so I didn't obviously need to to do anything with it but um, electronically so but just kind of an interesting thing now that uh, just how I guess comfortable I am using something like Google Docs for stuff like that. Yeah you know we, we when you take a step back uh, you know when the iPad was first released it was uh, you know, criticized, it was loved, it was, you know, hot and cold, you know, there's in between people. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was, you know, you can be productive on the iPad, but you had to, you had to work around limitations and you had to kind of be creative and, and kind of work around the, you know, the, the kind of the lockdown that the, the, uh, the Apple created on the iPad. But these days, especially with iOS 8, it, it's just not like that anymore. I mean, you're, you're really, uh, fairly free to do whatever you want and the capabilities that you now have uh, really are almost the exact same as a computer now in, in many cases, especially now that we have the full office suite for iPad and, and iPhone and we've got you know these Google Docs and Sheets applications available and of course the Dropbox and every other service available on here. It's a, it's, it, it, it barely resembles what it started with. And, you know, the other thought I just had was I could have easily used the um, the pages application, right, <clears throat> to um, to do basically the exact same thing um, and probably would have had a lot more functionality. But th the thing is, is I don't want to jump into the pages ecosystem. I want to be dealing with uh, what I'm already comfortable with, which is mostly um, Google Docs. I mean, I use Google Docs all the time. I mean, we do all of our, our show work in Google Docs and I've got extensive archives of, of information and I've, I've moved all of my files in there so they're easily searchable uh, all my word docs I mean going back for gosh we're coming up here on uh, you know 20 years worth of documents here 20 almost 25 years of documents that I have and so that's just that's it's very interesting how things have, have just changed and and I, I love the fact that the the Google 
ecosystem works so smoothly here. And uh, so anyway, good stuff here. I love talking about and seeing every update uh, and, uh, you know, tweak that they've done to this productivity suite, especially for the mobile side, because it just makes it that much more useful when you're uh, when you've got your mobile device handy and maybe not a desktop machine. Apple this week made iOS 8.4 available to developers in beta form. The software revealed a handful of changes to the music player. First up, the music application refreshed to match the experience offered by Apple's iTunes desktop app. Tabs at the bottom let users switch between tracks, playlists, and iTunes radio. The app also makes it easier to adjust playlists and song cues on the fly, and a refreshed UI puts a higher priority on album artwork. Apple has pulled audiobooks out of the music app and added the iBooks application. iBooks itself is a refreshed player and makes sorting between audiobooks and iBook purchases simple. No word on when the application will be available, though, for the, the public to download. But uh, this is just because goes right along with what we've been reading about with the rumors of, you know, kind of a, a revamped and refreshed music service from Apple. And uh, certainly we're going to see something here uh, when it finally uh, 8.4 hits uh, hits for everybody. Yeah, so I, I imagine it'll be a few months from now. And this is kind of interesting this year that they've done so many releases where iOS 7 wasn't so many uh, major uh, dot releases. I don't remember what they made it up to. But uh, this year, they're they're kind of trugging along here with, with new ones. And I I wonder if they're going to slow down and not release iOS 9 this year, even though they release a new one each year. I mean, I suppose that could happen, unlikely, but I suppose it's possible. Yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, I'm, I think about it more of, a, you know, we're going to see 8.4, I would imagine, sometime in May. WWDC happens in June. Maybe we see an 8.5. Uh, we're obviously going to see some stuff about iOS. Um, whatever happens after that, maybe that's what iOS 5, 8.5 is. Uh, I think it's actually nine. Um, I kind of disagree with you on that. I think it actually is going to hit, but uh, may not be till later this year. But either way, uh, we're going to see a lot of stuff happening here over the next few months. And um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of different updates. I do not believe I've ever seen a dot four, though. It, it maybe we have. It's just been a few years. Yeah, I, I'll have to go, go back and look. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it'll be iOS, iOS nine. Uh, but I wonder if this year, you know, this 8.4 is going to include a bunch of Apple TV changes. I have a, maybe, you know, I have a feeling maybe that's what it's going to be because we saw 8.2 for the Apple Watch and 8.3 was kind of a in between. I'm not sure what that really did for us other than the, the mainstream photo application, which was already available. It kind of moved that out of beta, but uh, functionality wise, it didn't really change, you know, anything major. Uh, but maybe 8.4 is going to be the Apple TV. Mm, could be. Uh, so just for just for fun, look, just looked at a quick search for it here, 8.4, uh, and then going backwards from here, you had uh, in version 7, it looks like it made it up to uh, 7.1.2 uh, over there. Uh, iOS 6 made it to iOS 6.1.6. iOS 5 made it to iOS 5.1.1. So... You know, it didn't actually, none of these have really made it that far. iOS 4 was 4.2.1. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're just chugging right along here with these dot releases. So um, it, 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 they had not gone up. So you're, you're absolutely right. They, they've not really gone up that high ever. Um, the current versions, yeah, 7.1.2, 6.1.6, 5.1.1, 4.2.1, 3.1.3. So most of them are rated past dot two. So there you go. Interesting stuff. Uh, moving on here, questions and comments this week. First up, a comment from John. John says, hi, you've helped me in the past, and maybe I have an answer for Mel from last week's show. Uh, try looking at the Verizon HTC Droid DNA. So just uh, as a 
to help you recall, Mel had asked about what sort of Android devices he could be looking at that uh, could be used on multiple different networks. Uh, John says the Droid DNA is a great phone, a little older, so it shouldn't ha- cost an arm and a leg to try it out. It is global unlocked out of the box, so you don't have to uh, have anyone unlock it for you or to use it on other carriers. I've run this phone on Straight Talk using AT&T before. Uh, they had also also used it on Verizon 4G. Uh, I think all the frequencies required to run it on all the services are there. On the CDMA side, you've got 800, 1900. On the GSM, you've got 8, 9, 18, and 1900. Uh, UMTS, 859, 19, and 21. And then on the LTE side, on the FD, uh, FDD side, you've got uh, band 17 in the 700 megahertz band, which is what Verizon uses. And then you've got also uh, Cat3 LTE, uh, that's, that's, I guess the data speeds that are on there. So, uh, the point is, is that you're going to be able to use this phone on uh, UMTS. It's not going to have all the LTE bands though. Uh, it's just too old. It's, it's only going to be using LTE on the, uh, uh, on the Verizon network. So don't plan on taking this anywhere else unless you're okay with using UMTS or other types of GSM technology. So just keep that in mind. Anyway, John, uh, thank you very much for that. I appreciate your comments about the show and for writing in with this uh, recommendation for Mel. Next up is a comment from Dominic. He says, guys, I don't know about you, but I've been uh, using stores lately that offer Google's wallet service more than stores that don't. It's so convenient. I just pull out my phone and pay, then get my, th- it's easier to pay with my phone than get my wallet out every time. The first gas station to offer Google wallet at the pump will definitely have my business too. Uh, the Dominic asks, how often do you guys use Apple Pay? Um, I don't know about, uh, I don't know about you, but again, I use, I use it more at stores than I don't, uh, we'll come back to the rest of his question. I want to talk about this first. So, um, you know, I use Apple pay about every other week or so, I guess it is. Um, I used it twice this past Monday. I, I don't know that I actually choose places because of it. Uh, but I do choose to use it if it's available. I'm always looking for, uh, for the Apple pay symbol at checkout. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so for me, it's probably on average, I'm probably using it about every other week. I'm using it about three, four times a week, actually, because uh, I go to the grocery store that's literally right across the street from my building here. So it's exceptionally close and they have Apple Pay support. So I pull it out every time and use it. And, and just by chance, I was at a McDonald's at a hospital this uh, week and uh, I saw the big red thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can use the phone. And, and uh, I used it. I'm interested to uh, to see kind of how it changes if I can not, when I now use my watch to do that to use uh, when the Apple Watch comes to use the uh, the Apple Pay. It seems like an interesting uh, you know use of that and just you know obviously you're trying to bag groceries or whatever it is that you're doing and just one less thing in your hands and just do your watch and there you go. So uh, anyway, so Dominic, a very interesting thing uh, obviously with the way that this is changing how we do our shopping. Uh, next thing Dominic says is um, I know you guys don't do the unlock show anymore, but I want to show my appreciation uh, and I want to say it with money. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one. What can we do to say thank you for the awesome show? Never miss a show. Can't wait for the next one, Dominic. Um, you know, Dominic, we really appreciate your support, your willingness to give. Um, you know, we do not solicit solicit uh, donations or tips. Um, you know, certainly it's appreciated if you want to send something over. The same address that we use for communication with the show, which is questions at the cellphonejunkie.com, is tied in with uh, the PayPal account for the show that helps us to pay all the bills for the hosting and everything for it. So if you want to send some money over, you can you can do it that way absolutely no uh you know no expectation of it though we just we love doing this for for you as the listeners but if you want to please feel free to do that and thanks again very much for your kind words there uh next up here question from chris he says guys i have the lg g3 from sprint uh it still has service on it and i want to use it on at&t the phone is paid for so there's nothing owed to sprint i found a person that will unlock it uh, for the hspa side and i wondered if you've heard anything about them um, his, he's a business in Apple Valley, Minnesota called the Minnesota mobile guy. And he shows 
good reviews, uh, but I know those sometimes can be faked. Thanks for your help, Chris. Well, here's the thing, Chris. Um, I, you know, the, the Minnesota mobile guy might be a, a great guy and he may be able to unlock phones here. Um, but if this is a Sprint device, and indeed it is paid for uh, like you say it is, um, Sprint will unlock your phone if you are not under a contract and don't have any additional funding uh, funds that you need to pay for on the device. Um, you can uh, you can head over to Sprint's website and you can see you can see what their basically what their terms are for this. Um, so you can't have a service agreement on it, any installment billings. You can't and your account has to be in good standing. That's another thing. And it then of course can't be reported as lost or stolen or having any fraudulent activity on it. But other than that, uh, you can absolutely contact Sprint and have them unlock it for you. Yeah, and I had done that uh, numerous times in the past uh, with Sprint when I had, uh, you know, a bunch of, um, you know, Blackberries with them and even a couple of other devices that had SIM cards. And But most likely, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, they were probably mostly Blackberries, maybe a Motorola Q in there that they unlocked for me, I think, way, way back. But, uh, uh, yeah, they just unlocked them if you were within those uh, within those terms. Sometimes the, some of the reps didn't understand what I was talking about, but that was uh, kind of typical. Yeah, it's um, if it was launched before February of 2015, which um, this device was, um, Sprint will provide a, a bill notification or text message when it's eligible to have it unlocked. So you probably already received that. And if you haven't, uh, you'll just need to talk to them. Uh, but then you basically will direct you to talk to customer care and they can assist you in the unlocking of it. The cool thing, though, is is for stuff that launched after February of 2015, which was you know obviously just a couple of months ago, Sprint will automatically unlock devices now when they become eligible. This is part of, uh, you know, that I'll just call it the packed between the carriers now uh, that they'll be just unlocking devices when when uh, they become available or eligible to do so so that's kind of a, a nice thing that moving forward you won't have to necessarily contact anyone to do this the unlocking game is certainly changing uh, as we move forward here if you're paying off your device if you don't have it paid for you may have an issue with it it just depends on your carrier uh, so you'll need to check into that next up is a comment from josh he says good morning mickey i've been checking my uh, order obsessively for my apple watch uh, and i was told about this tip if you use the deliveries application on ios uh, you can add your the web order link and it can show you the exact amount of time before your watch will arrive in my case 42 days yeah josh uh, i still actually don't know when mine is going to arrive i haven't really looked into that it says sometime between this coming friday and may 8th i think it was so within the next couple of weeks hopefully it will arrive just waiting to see that credit card uh, charge hit and then i'll know that it is on the way and finally today we have a question from patrick he says mickey and joey i've been using the health kit application on my iphone 5s lately to track my steps and distance when i walk and run the app appears to be fairly accurate but it doesn't appear to be tracking flights of stairs that i walk up or down uh, have you used this application and have any thoughts and more generally do you have any comments about using any of the other features of this application it apparently has a lot of features but i've only been able to so far get it to track steps and distance walked or ran thanks for your insight i look forward to the show and shout out to joey as i'm also a saint paul area resident patrick well uh, Patrick, you know, honestly, it does seem actually to be working fairly well for me on the iPhone 6. I couldn't tell you about the iPhone 5S. I never don't have and never have had one of those. Um, I haven't actually verified that it's getting the exact right number of, of uh, flights that I've walked, but I can tell you that uh, mine is showing one right now, and I walked upstairs to my loft earlier and back down, so to me it's it's tracking appropriately. Usually I've got somewhere between 
I don't know, seven and 10 flights a day. I work on the second, the second level of an office building. So I walk the steps quite a bit. Um, you know, I try personally on the step side of things to get somewhere between five and 7,000 steps per day. I know that's, you know, the hundred, the 10,000 step target is really the one that most experts go by, but I really have a hard time getting there. Um, and so, you know, honestly, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of things to, uh, to, to take into account for how the phone is working. But, um, you know, generally I find it to be relatively, you know, accurate, um, regarding the other uses in the health application. I can't say I've been able to get any of them to work either. I just use the distance tracking as well as uh, stair tracking to get up and down the stairs. So the thing is with those other, uh, uh, the other points of health data that are in there, they don't, they're not automatic. Basically the motion co-processor is the only thing that's really sending this data that's tied in. So you would need either external Bluetooth sensors to do the heart rate and the monitoring of the blood pressure and all that other stuff. There are tie-ins as long as you have an external device that, that collects that data. So really the only thing built in is the step processor. So that's why that's the only thing you see. The rest of the data, you know, if you look at, you know, blood pressure and things like that, uh, or any of the other statistics like weight, I know there's Bluetooth scales as well, but you can enter all those in manually. It's actually a little hard to see. You have to kind of click, uh, you know, tap on something. And then there's a, uh, like a, there's a little plus sign where you can add a, a data point and then it'll keep track of it. So you have to, uh, there it is. It's called add data point. So then you manually enter the stuff in. So if you go to the doctor, get your blood pressure checked and, and the, the, your BMI or, you know, there's a million things that list in here. And if you get these things tested via blood test or something, go tap these things in and then, uh, you know, enter them and then you can start keeping a track of it in the future. Yeah. And it's interesting, guy, the weight that you bring up. Um, my mom weighs herself and puts her weight in every single day. And I thought that was really cool. She goes into the health app and does it every single day. And I thought that was that was great. And then she mentioned how I got this update at one point and then it didn't work anymore and all of my data was gone. And I remembered it was 8.1 killed uh, the health or maybe it was 8.0.1 killed the health and then 8.1 fixed it. Um, anyway, so she said like started manually tracking everything. And then when health came back, then she ended up going back in and, and entering in all of the historical data. But everything came came back. So it's not like it lost anything. So kind of a neat thing. I, I do like the health app and uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to see how they build on that. You know, we saw rumors that the Apple Watch was supposed to include a lot more sensors in it. And, um, you know, I don't doubt that for a second. Uh, I believe the next iterations of the Apple Watch will include, you know, more sensors like, you know, uh, pulse rate, uh, you know, beyond that, but more like blood pressure, oxygen levels, things like that, because you can get to some of that sophistication. But I, I, I'm sure with the uh, the awareness of the, the kind of the the sensor tracking ability here we're going to get more devices on the market that are more affordable to dump data into this uh, application especially now that we're getting more hospitals into actually collecting data from you with the apple iphones and and also the the uh, the, the statistics uh, the the study app. I can't remember what it's called now. The one that they just announced. Uh, we get further down this road, it just, it'll get exponentially more critical and more tied in with your health. I'm talking research kit, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, the health stuff, I, I, I absolutely see within not very much longer, uh, your doctor setting up programs to grabbing your phone data. So you get to the doctor and essentially he downloads your phone data and uh, you, you can then use that data to do different things uh, for you. So it just it's all a matter of time with this stuff. And I think it's really interesting, um, you know, how this, you know, this thing that we used to carry in our pockets just to communicate with people is now becoming so much more valuable. And it's having so many more, um, you know, practical applications to our lives that are actually going to help us in, in many, many different ways. Well, with that, if you have any questions or comments, please get in touch with us by uh, writing into questions at the cell phone junkie.com. 
Or we've got a new phone number now that you can use to leave us both voicemails and send us text messages. This is a Google Voice number, so ring it up or text it as often as you want. That number, uh, we figured it was appropriate to have something Silicon Valley-based, so we went with 650-999-0524. Again, 650-999-0524. So send us any length of message, uh, whether it's voicemail or text message that you prefer to do. Or, of course, you can always use the email address as well that uh, you all have been using here over the last number of years. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.